Thank you for listening to WWCU. My name is Lyndon Jones, and today we are talking about Reach of Macon County, which has also made it to Jackson County. With me, I have Jennifer Turner-Lynn, the Assistant Director of Reach. Thank you for being with me. Hi, thanks for having me. Of course, we're doing an interview over the phone, per social distancing, and being super COVID safe. <laughs> yeah. We'll start with the most basic question, what is REACH? Well, REACH is a dual nonprofit, so we work with uh, victims and survivors of domestic violence, sexual assault, and human trafficking. Uh, the acronym actually for REACH stands for Resources, Education, Assistance, Counseling, and Housing. That acronym is a perfect like uh, umbrella of everything <laughs> that y'all do. Yes, it is. <laughs> How long has REACH been serving Jackson County? I know this is something that actually started in Macon. So REACH of Jackson un, uh, unfortunately closed unexpectedly in February of 2012. And they had kind of a joint meeting with all of the different stakeholders and sister agencies in the region, government officials, kind of et cetera, state funders, to kind of come together and say, okay, who's going to step in in the interim until another agency can be formed to provide services? And so at that time, Reach of Macon was really in the best position to extend services to Jackson County to ensure that um, victims didn't kind of fall through the cracks. And so we have been providing services there since 2012, it was always meant to be temporary, which obviously, you know, some years later, doesn't it doesn't feel quite as temporary as it did back then. But we have been working tirelessly with some amazing people in Jackson County over a period of several years to develop kind of their own standalone agency in Jackson County, because we do firmly believe that every county needs to have their own dedicated domestic violence, sexual assault, and human trafficking entity. Just because we all know when you live somewhere and you kind of have that network and collaborations and partnerships and you know people there, whether it's the people that you serve or the people you're partnering with, things are just works a little bit more smoothly. And so uh, recently, we officially helped launch the Center for Domestic Peace. And so the Center for Domestic Peace officially became recognized as of July 1st of 2020. And so they are actually providing domestic violence services. We're co-providing domestic violence services right now. And then they will also take over sexual assault services and trafficking services, I think, in 2022. So we kind of have a staged plan to continue to kind of shift those services over specifically just to Jackson County. And right now we're still providing shelter for both counties because there is not a standalone shelter in Jackson County. And on the topic of resources, what services and resources does REACH have for folks, especially if, let's say that we're in Jackson County, but maybe I know most of your resources kind of come out of Macon. Will you tell me how that works? Yeah, so the only resource that I would say hardcore is in Macon is going to be the shelter because that is a, like, obviously a physical space to a fairly brand new shelter. It's about three years old. It's a state-of-the-art facility. It's fully ADA compliant. I would say it's probably the largest domestic violence, sexual assault, or human trafficking shelter in the west of Asheville. And uh, we are specifically equipped to be able to take in uh, human trafficking victims because each of our bedrooms have like their own private bathroom. Then we have a lot of communal spaces. So we have a computer lab. We have two different kitchens. We also have different playground spaces for different ages of folks. And so that's the only, that, that, is, that would be the only service that is definitely provided just only in Macon County. All of our other services are provided as well in Jackson County. So we have an office base in Jackson County um, behind uh, the, the library up on the hill. 
And so we work with people going to court. We do court advocacy. We do rape crisis intervention. We can accompany people for forensic examinations. We help with transportation as needed. We do wraparound um, services that might help with like job and life skills. We have people who specialize in working with uh, trauma victims who have comorbid things such as substance use or uh, disabilities, for example. And so we have a lot of services that we can provide in, in physically in Jackson County as well. And who can take advantage of these resources and services? Anybody who is a victim or a primary or secondary, or if they're a, like a non-offending secondary victim. So it could be someone who is experiencing immediate domestic violence, sexual assault, or human trafficking. It could be someone, for example, who is maybe a child of a survivor who is having um, challenges and dealing with like residual trauma. Uh, It could be that you have folks who have witnessed different types of violence related to domestic or human trafficking or sexual assault. So, So really, you know, our services are available to a wide range of folks because we can also do, we have some limited availability to do counseling referrals, for example, and help pay for some counseling. Uh, So we do have a a strong network of services that can help for like primary survivors, survivors who actually experience the violence firsthand, and then folks who might be in their lives who are not offending members, but who are secondary victims who have also experienced trauma. That's fantastic. I think you hit a keyword there, residual trauma. That's something we don't think about often. Absolutely. And we work really closely, obviously, with Awake in Jackson County and then Kids Place in Macon County. So if we have children who are primary victims, and certainly we're also working with your kids, your child advocacy centers as well, to make sure that they're receiving the supportive services that they need. Why is REACH and programs that are similar to it important to Jackson County, and of course important to the world? We believe that in order for our community to be a self, a safe and kind of healthy, thriving place, We have to have folks in place who can offer everything really from prevention to intervention. So in at Reach of Macon County, we really strongly believe that prevention, like primary prevention, is a key component of creating safer, healthier communities. And by prevention, I don't mean like risk reduction. So a lot of times if you ask folks, well, like how do you prevent violence? So often or not, the onus is placed on the victim to prevent their own violence. So, you know, things that I think women in particular are told a lot, like don't walk alone, make sure you have your keys ready, you know, kind of take self-defense classes. And all of those are great risk reductive measures, but they don't actually prevent violence because maybe you're not the target this time because you had some risk reductors in place, but somebody else may be. And so really what we're trying to do on the front end is really work on primary prevention efforts, which means going into school systems, talking with children, changing knowledge, attitudes, and beliefs about the culture around violence in general. And then on the flip end, we're also providing those intervention services to help people be able to to give people an option to leave. I think so often people say, well, why doesn't the person leave? And I'll admit, like, I probably was one of those people (laughs) before I started working here more than 10 years ago to kind of be like, well, I don't understand. Like, why don't you just leave? Well, when you think about it, it's just not that easy. And we we place people in positions where we make it difficult for people to leave. Not even not just people who are in um, relationships or homes with violence, but also with people who 
are in homes that aren't violent. I mean, even if you needed to get a divorce, it's not that easy. <laughs> um, nothing's that easy. Maybe you have children. Maybe you are living in poverty. Maybe you're barely making it. Maybe you are an immigrant. You don't speak English. I mean, there's so many different reasons why we have so many barriers. So what we try to do is eliminate those barriers so, again, we can work towards that health, safe and healthy um, community because that ripples out and it impacts, like, everything around us. How has reach been affected by COVID-19? How have your resources been affected huh. by COVID-19? Oh, I'm like, I, I will be, I personally am going to throw a party when COVID-19 is over. This has been the longest year of my life, it feels like. And it's been a long year for different reasons. Um, I know that there are folks out there who are experiencing their own personal challenges, maybe from having to work remotely or Maybe they're not able to go back to in-person school instruction, whether that's like your primary or secondary institutions. And so I, I know that there are all of those complexities. We have experienced like the opposite. So we have never, we never shut down. We never closed. We never stopped providing services. And so during the initial period of COVID, our shelter numbers were up by 100%. Um, compared to the same time period last year, and our hotline numbers were up by about 150%. And so as you can imagine, um, just like everyone else, we did have folks in our office who might be higher risk, and so maybe those people are still working from home. So it just basically meant that there were uh, was more to do <laughs> with less people. <laughs> and then, of course, also having to implement the social distancing and the disinfecting and the mask wearing. And I hope that folks feel empathetic for people who live in a shelter because imagine like all day long, maybe you have to wear a mask where you work or you should be. And then you come home. But when you come home, you get to take that mask off and relax. That's not how it works in a shelter. <laughs> um, in a shelter, the only place that they can't have their mask on is physically in their room. So when they're cooking dinner, when they're doing their homework, when they're in the computer lab, in all of those places, they have to maintain mask wearing and social distancing and disinfecting. And imagine if you have 20 people living in a shelter together and you have small kids and you have kids in high school. And so it has been hard and it's been hard on our staff who has continued to fight the good fight. <laughs> and I think right now people are just but everybody here is doing the best they can and really trying to work together as a team. And you said it best. You have more people seeking your services. You have more people coming in and maybe less staff present. What does it look like for volunteers? Right. Are you still taking volunteers? So so we are taking interns, which is slightly different, yes. um, in part because Western and SEC or other institutions rely on professional development, obviously, through internships. But, you know, in addition to that, while our funders did waive matching volunteer hours for the first part of COVID, like in March, um, they're not waiving them now. And so there is still some requirement from our funders that we have to match some of those dollars through volunteer efforts and internships. So internships is one of the easiest ways to do that because it's consistent and because we know, okay, well, we're guaranteed, you know, this person has to get 300 hours, for example, for their program. With volunteers, we're just having to kind of play it, play it week by week. So we have to be like at our bargain store, for example. We have a limited number of volunteers that we have come in kind of at a time to help with social distancing and exposure to the staff there that have continued to work. 
And then here, we just kind of play it case by case. We don't have any large, obviously, service groups coming. We've tried to be creative with if there are remote things that volunteers or, or even interns can do, but not as many volunteers right now. I, would, I hope that that will change by the spring. We are all looking forward to it. I hope so too, especially yeah. as we get more high risk folks vaccinated and then, you know, low risk folks can have a little more confidence going out and about knowing that we're not going to cause harm. Right. What programs do y'all have planned for the 2021 year, if any? As far as programs, so we've continued or, and will continue to do our prevention education program. Right now we are offering virtual assistance to the school systems, which has been hard, but I think has been beneficial to the teachers. We also, there was SB 199 new legislation that came into effect within the last year that mandated some additional human trafficking specific training for school systems. And so we've also been able to virtually help with that as well. Typically, that would be like an in-person training, but we've been able to work to, to create something virtually to help meet that mandate from the for the new legislation. I would say in addition to that, you know, we are continuing to work with the Center for Domestic Peace because obviously, ultimately, the goal would be they actually will be the sole standalone agency for domestic violence in July of 2021 and then continue to work with them to spin off services for sexual assault and human trafficking for July of 2022. So we're continuing to do all of that. And then in the midst of that, obviously, we are still providing services and working to increase really in the next year awareness on campus related to sexual assault services specifically, but also human trafficking or domestic violence services as is needed, and hopefully trying to roll out our text line a little bit more and and really blanket the university with information about the text line specifically. So obviously we have a hotline and that's great. Um, and obviously we get a lot of people that call the hotline, but we also know that there are is a generation of folks and also some people who may not be in safe positions that can utilize texting as a better option. So right now that's one of the primary things we're trying to roll out is is making sure people understand we have a text line. And then I think as far as fundraisers, things like that, those are still kind of to be determined. Well, I'm still excited to hear you got things going on. You've got things planned. How can individuals who are looking for services reach out to you and get help? So there's a lot of different platforms that folks can utilize. I feel like we do a really great job of offering different platforms for people. So we have a, a website, reachofmaconcounty.org, reachofmaconcounty.org, all one word spelled out. Uh, so we have a website that folks can go to for resources. We also have an amazing COVID updated website at Reach of Making County. So if folks need, especially in Making County, if they need information about the school system, we have a really strong network website specifically for that. So there's a lot of information on there. You can also reach out to us specifically through the website if you needed to. We have a Facebook page, Reach of Making County as well. People can message us on Facebook. We don't monitor that, you know, 24-7, but we do have folks who can reply and monitor fairly quickly. We have a hotline number. We have two. One is 369-5544. The other is 586-8969. Somebody can call either of those numbers and they'll get the same the same people. And then we also have our new text line. And so somebody can text REACH to 20121 and an advocate uh, will respond and reply, reply to you through that platform as well. We have a lot of different platforms that people can use. And we have obviously in, in person, you can come to our offices in either location, Macon or Jackson. 
And having all of these resources really is a testament to the amount of people that this affects. You know, the age range, Mm -hmm. there are folks who want to text, there are folks who prefer in person, who prefer the phone call. So you're doing a fantastic job. Great job on that. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anything we have not talked about that you feel is important to mention? I would just encourage people to make sure that they are being kind, maybe make sure that if you are a business or you are a partnering agency, let us know if you need any of our materials. I know as well as CDP, like if there are materials that folks need contacting CDP to let them know as well. Just having those things on hand can be incredibly helpful. And we are more than glad to also arrange to meet victims like in some of the more remote parts of the county too. We don't want transportation or if you live like, you know, somewhere more remote, we don't want that to be a barrier to somebody receiving services. Call us, talk with us, and we'll be glad to do what we can to kind of meet you where you are. Well, thank you so much for being on. Thank you so much for serving the community like you do. Oh, thank you so much. We appreciate you having us on here today. (laughs) Of course. That was Jennifer Turner Lynn with Reach of Macon County. Of course, they do provide services to Jackson County in conjunction with the Center for Domestic Peace. We covered a lot of heavy topics today, including all of the resources they provide to folks who have been through some major traumas. If you are not in a place where you can necessarily call, but you want to talk to someone or you need some more information, you can also text REACH to 20121. This is their new text hotline. If you are looking to get services or you would like to help out, their website is reachofmaconcounty.org. They do have a tab for Jackson County. And remember, if you are in a remote or very rural location, don't let this stop you. They can come to you. So if transportation is an issue, please give them a call. Reach out. May 2021 be a year of healing and community. Reach of Macon County is doing a fantastic job making sure that these victims have resources. As Jennifer said, this is the biggest shelter west of Asheville. Take advantage of these wonderful resources and thank you again to Jennifer Lynn Turner and everyone at Reach of Macon who is making this happen even during COVID-19. I'm Lyndon. You're listening to WWCU. We are Western Carolina University.